Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We're preaching on miracles. I want to teach and preach this morning on the miracle of the do-over. <laughs> Anybody ever needed a do-over? Most, most weeks, most, most weeks, I'd say 90% of the weeks of the year, I play badminton three times a week down at the old YMCA on 23rd Street. Now we have a very unusual array of characters that play. Two in particular are in their late 80s. One of them being my dad. He's a lawyer, an attorney. And another being a man named Mr. Ben Powell, who was a railroad attorney for many years. So they're, 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 they're always set to argue their case. So whenever there's a questionable call, instead of having to put up with two lawyers arguing their case, we have what's called a do-over. Which means we're just going to do it over. And always the results come out different. Amen? Now here's the thing. God is the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, the do-over. Anybody want a do-over? Anybody need a do-over? Amen? So I'm going to believe God that if you need the miracle of the do-over, today is going to be your day to receive the word that you need for the do-over that you need to go through in your life. Now, go to Matthew, if you will. Just a couple of portions of Scripture. We'll go to Matthew chapter 26. Then we'll go over to the Gospel of John chapter 21. Jesus, when He was anointed by the Holy Ghost at the baptism of John, the first thing he began to do was to gather around him 12 disciples. How many remember that? Now, what's unique about this crowd of, uh, of 12 men is, you know, you know God's full of wisdom, you know God's full of, full of uh, uh, understanding, all these wonderful attributes. But you know, he chose very strangely. He chose one guy that was a total crook. He knew he stole from the offerings, Judas. He knew that he would betray him. He went to a fishing village and chose three commercial fishermen. Now, if you're a commercial fisherman, don't get mad, amen. But you know, I, I've never noticed, you know, the, 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 the mosquito fleet down here and all the commercial. I've never seen many people go down there to recruit people for their Sunday school program or their missions or their visitation. You know, people that work in the commercial fishing industry tend to be a little tougher than most people. He chose three of them. Amen. He chose a tax collector. He chose someone full of doubt and unbelief. Amen. I mean, even when he was risen from the dead, he said, I'm not going to believe it unless I can put my fingers in, his, in, his, in, his, in the holes in his hand and put my hand in his side. Amen. Thomas was not a believer. But he surrounded himself with these men and impacted them mightily. Now, one of them in particular, which was kind of, I guess, I guess just through study of the Word of God over the years and looking at the character of this man, I guess he would be what I would call the ringleader or kind of the head guy. And that was Peter. Amen. Now, now, Jesus nicknamed him the rock, or called him Rocky. That's what the word Peter means, amen. And so Peter, he had his moments of faith. He had his moments of, you know, great uh, devotion toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he had other moments that were, you know, kind of strange. I mean, there were times when he said things and did things. One time, one time he said something to Jesus, and Jesus turned to him and said, Get behind me, Satan. 
Because he was talking to Jesus the way the devil would. Amen. Another time, at a, at a holy moment, a transfiguration upon the mount, and Jesus was transfigured in front of them, and, and, and then he blurts out, I think we need to make three little tents. Jesus was probably going, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. But he swore his loyalty. He swore an oath to the Lord Jesus Christ there at the Last Supper. And Jesus said, come on, Peter, I know you better than you know yourself. Before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. Now, Matthew 26 reads like this. Beginning there in verse 40, it says, uh, no, excuse me, that's not verse 40, that's verse 69. Verse 69, it says, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But now notice this. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what you're saying. And when he was gone out unto the porch, another maid, saw him and said unto them that were with them, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And he again denied with an oath, I do not know the man. After a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. You know his, uh, what do you call it, your accent. You sound like a Galilean. It's betraying you. And then it says... Uh, then he began, or then began he, to curse, now listen to this, and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately, the chicken crowed. Amen. That's why they say preachers like fried chicken so much. It's because of those chickens telling off on Peter that day. Amen. Now notice verse what is it, 76? Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which saith unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice or three times. He went out and wept bitterly. Listen, we've all failed. Thank you for your hearty support. We've all made mistakes. We've all gotten ourselves into trouble. But honestly, listen, I was, I was away from God and backslid for over 12 years. But I never denied Jesus as Lord and Savior. Never did it. Never got up and said, you know, I don't believe in this Jesus. I know I was raised in Christianity and born again when I was young and experienced some super... But I'm telling you, I, it's all a bunch of... It's all phony. It's all fake. I deny Him. I deny... I never did that. I never did that. I did some terrible things, but I never did that. Now, Peter did that. Could you imagine what that must have been like the pressure of the denial as each time, first time he just denied. Second time, he denied with an oath. That means he made a pledge. I don't know this guy. I'm, I'm pledging. The third time, he began to curse and begin to swear. Buddy, that's, that's getting right down denying it. Now, he'd walk with Jesus for three years, solid years. Listen, he was there. When Jesus fed the 5,000 and fed the 4,000, he walked on the water. Can I get an amen? He walked on the water. He was there when the, when, the, when the people who had blind eyes screamed out, I could see, I could see. He was there when the lepers got up and began to run all over. He was there. He was there when the lepers said, we're cleansed, we're cleansed. He saw it all. Not only that, he was there at the intimate times when it was just Jesus and the disciples. The Last Supper. 
All of the times that he taught them and ministered to them. He was there. And now here he is when the pressure is put on his faith. He denies Jesus three times. I believe Peter needs a do-over. Everybody say a do-over. Now go to John 21. For time's sake, I'll just kind of paint the picture of what happens here. Peter had denied Jesus three times just as Jesus prophesied. They took him. They beat him. They bruised him. They abused him. They nailed him to the cross. He died. They stuck the spear in his side. Out came the blood and the water. He gave up the ghost. And he suffered our eternal punishment. Now, Peter, aware of the crucifixion, was probably for that three days and three nights in a terrible quandary. And this was it. Well, if he rises from the dead, I'm really in trouble. Because I've denied the Savior, the Messiah. Emmanuel, God with... Now, if, he does, if that tomb is not empty on that third day, then, you know, maybe it's not so bad. We saw some cool things, experienced some things, but, you know, we can just probably go back to Galilee and go right back into business. Life will go back to normal, and we'll just say, yeah, it was just a life experience. But then all of a sudden, the pounding feet of Mary Magdalene, John chapter 20, powerful scripture, She's running up into the place where they were actually hiding from, from, the, from the Sanhedrin and from the Roman government. She runs through the door and begins to scream, He's risen! He's risen! He's risen! He's not in the tomb! Could you imagine? Peter's heart sank. He probably thought, oh my God. Now here's the thing that will really help you, that really helped me, after 12 years of not serving God and needing desperately a do-over was this. Something the Lord spoke to me. He said this, I have qualified you for everything that God has given you in Christ Jesus. I've qualified you for prosperity. I've qualified you for healing. I've qualified you for a ministry that I'm calling you into. I've qualified you for everything that my word says you are, that you can do, and that you can have. I have qualified you. Everybody say qualified you. Now then he said this. He said, the devil cannot disqualify you. Well, I ought to get a better amen than that. The devil cannot disqualify. Then he told me something that I'll tell you I have fought against for the last 35, going on 36 years, and that is this. He said this to me. But what the devil will try to do is he will try to get you to disqualify yourself. It's never too late for a second chance. It's never too late for a third chance. It's never too late to obey the call of God on your life. It's, listen, it's never too late to quit coming back to church. It's never too late to quit coming back to prayer. It's never too late to, to, to start tithing and offering again. It's never too late to start reading your Bible again. It's never too late to start praying again. It's never too late because God is the God of the do-over and He will empower you to want to do it and He'll empower you to do it. Now, 
Here we are in John 21. Jesus is risen from the dead. Verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise he showed himself. Let me just say this. If you need a second chance, if you need a third or fourth chance, if you need to do it, God is not hiding from you. God is not trying to, trying to you know, get back in some place you can't find Him. Actually, just the opposite. He's doing everything He can do to try to get your attention. There were together Simon, Peter, Thomas, Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of His disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a-fishing. Everybody say, I go a-fishing. Now, now, I've heard guys teach on this, talking about how Peter was thinking about going back into the fishing business. But if you go study this in the light of Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, Peter was a fisherman. He was working as a fisherman. They were fishing at night in that arid region. The fish would come up in the cool of the night and they could net them with a net. They had fished all night and hadn't caught anything. They came to the shore and guess who's on the shore? Jesus. And he's teaching the word of God and a crowd is pressing upon him. So he put a demand upon Peter to use his boat. And when he put a demand upon Peter to use his boat, Peter let him do it. And then after he, after he finished teaching, he looked at Peter and said this, Hey Peter, let's go fishing. Now Peter probably thought this, Preacher, why don't you stick with the preaching, I'll stick with the fishing. We've toiled all night. Scripture says it like this. We've toiled all night, all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word. See, there was a reluctancy in him. Many times there's a reluctancy in us to obey God. That has to be overcome. You have to have a desire for the Lord. So they go out. They go to the wrong place at the wrong time and do the wrong thing. And Jesus makes them a success. And they catch more fish than they've ever caught before. And while they're hauling in the fish and filling up the boat so that they have to call their other, other uh, fishermen to come and help them, and their nets are breaking, Peter says, I'm a sinful man, get away from me. It's amazing how the holiness of God gives us a revelation many times of our own wretchedness. But to thank God, he that knew no sin was made sin on our behalf and we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, that's such a powerful truth. And Jesus told Peter, he said, From henceforth you shall catch men. Come and follow me. And that began a process in which Peter left everything he knew, everyone he knew, and began to follow this strange man. Now that was the beginning of those th actually three and a half years. So here he is in a place of denial. Listen, Please don't live in a place of denial in your life. Denying that God can do the miracle that you need. Denying that Jesus loves you. Denying that the Holy Ghost can do anything and can do more in five seconds than any man can do in a lifetime. Listen, make a decision to be submissive to God, to the things of God, to be restored to a true love for Him and to get the second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth chance that you need. God's standing here today willing to give it to you. Amen? Now, so here we are. He says, I go a fishing. Now, I kind of see it like this. Then meditating on the word. I wonder if he was thinking this. Just, just my, my take on it. I wonder if he was thinking, you know, he was on a fishing trip three and a half years ago. Three and a half years ago. 
I went on a fishing trip with this guy, Jesus, and it radically changed my life. I wonder, I just wonder, I just wonder if Jesus has another fishing trip for me. Now let me say this. Every one of you that are in here, every one of you that are serving the Lord, every one of you that know God, you've had a fishing trip where God has touched your life, where God put something on the inside of you that was undeniable. He didn't put religion. He didn't put uh, uh, tradition. He didn't put an angel. He put Himself in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And no matter what you may say, it's there. You can't deny it. It goes to bed with you at night. It wakes up with you in the morning. It is there. And in our own human frailty, many times we get ourselves in trouble just like Peter did. We get ourselves in a position in which we need another chance. We need a do-over. And we wonder, does Jesus have another fishing trip for me? Well, I've got good news. He's got all the fishing trips you need. All you've got to be willing to do is go on them. Here's how this one plays out. I love this, verse, I love this part of verse 4. But when morning was now come. Let me read the previous verse, kind of set the stage. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we go also with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship and immediately that night caught nothing. Hmm, Interesting. Caught nothing. But when morning was now come. Everybody say morning. morning. Some of you just need a new morning. You say, what do you mean? You've been in darkness. There's been darkness in your health. There's been darkness in your finances. There's been darkness at your job or in your business. I got good news. It's time for a brand new morning in your life. You say, what is morning? That's when the light shines and the darkness gets dispelled. I like this. When morning was now come, Jesus. Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not it was Jesus. Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat onto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. You say, what do you mean by, what does that mean? Literally, he was not saying, I'm going to walk on water now. What he was saying is this. If that's really Jesus on that shore, if that's really Jesus, there's not an ocean, there's not a mountain, there's no obstacle on this planet that's going to stand between me and Jesus. If He's on that beach for anybody, He's on that beach for me. It's do-over time. It's second chance time. Come on, church. He cast Himself in the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship. They were not far from it, as it were, a hundred... 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw fires of coal there, fish laid thereupon in bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to, to the land full of great fishes, 153 for all there were not so many, as, as the, and yet the net was not broken. Great significance there. We know that 
ethnically all of humanity can be divided into 153 different ethnic families. And Jesus said, the net's not going to break. We're going to catch every one of them. I'll preach on that someday. You'll like it. It says, Jesus said unto them, come and die. He's always got something to give. None of his disciples just ask him, who art thou, knowing it was the Lord. Now notice this. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, giveth them fish, and fish likewise. And this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, now notice this. Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now let me read through this, then I'll come back and we'll make a couple of comments. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Now, there's so much we can draw out of this. The three denials, the three restorations, all of this. But listen, just like all of us, like every one of us, there are things in life that we hold on to. That we hold up to God and we say to God, this is why. This is why I can't go to the mission field. This is why I can't tithe and offer. This is why I can't make every service. This is why I don't read my Bible like I should. This is why I don't pray like I should. This, this is why. Now listen, excuses when presented to Jesus are not denied but dealt with. Now let me say that again. They're not denied but dealt with. That's why you need to be open with God. If you've got a gripe or complaint, take it to the Lord. Amen. Talk to God about it. Listen, talk to Him like He's alive. Amen. Let me try that again. Talk to Him like He's alive because He is alive. Communicate with your God. Communicate with the Lord Jesus Christ. Communicate with the Spirit that's within you. Tell Him, listen, I'm telling you, I've got this situation. I've got this circle. This has developed over 30 years. This has developed over 40 years. Lord, what am I going to do? I want to serve you. Peter had a pretty good one. Peter had his hands all wrapped around three denials. One in which he just denied. Another one where he swore a curse. And another one where he, I mean, where he swore an oath. And another one where he cursed and denied that Jesus was who he said he was and that he had any affiliation with him at all. And I guarantee you, he was holding that up. This is why. I can't be an apostle. I can't be that what you've called me to be. Well, I've messed up so much. Let me just say something. It's not against the backdrop of our perfection that people see God in us. If it was, no one would ever see God. Now, let me say that again. Some of you are looking at me so holy. It's not against the backdrop of our maturity or perfection that people see God. It's against the backdrop of the darkness of our life. It's the, against the backdrop of our denials. It's against the backdrop of where we really missed it. 
against the backdrop of all that has gone on in life, which says to the world, you're a total idiot. It's against the darkness of that that God wants His light to come upon you and to make you what He's called you to be. Against that backdrop when the light shines, everybody knows it's God. I've had people stand in this altar and get born again and give their hearts to the Lord who didn't hear me preach a word. They said this at the altar. The only reason I'm standing in this altar to get saved today is because I used to know you. And I see you standing in this pulpit. And I know because I used to know you. That's got to be God. So Jesus begins the process of prying the fingers of that which Peter held on to loose from that which he could hold up to God and say, here's the reason why. And he did it with what subject? This is so good. He didn't say, Peter, give me your excuse. That's what we like to do. That, that, all of us, well, you don't understand. You know, I've I really had some problems in life. And, you know, I was a middle child and I was ugly and I had to pot, try pork chop around my neck to get the dogs to play with me. And, and you know, we were raised poor, we were raised rich. We were, and there's all kinds of, life will give you all kinds of excuses. But then Jesus makes it an issue of what? Love. Do you love me? Well, the first time he probably kind of bristled and thought, now why is he doing this publicly? (laughs) With an earshot of all my my peers, all the other disciples. He's talking about what happened back in the garden. I mean, what happened back in in, in the court of the Sanhedrin three nights ago. That's what he's talking. He could have jumped and ran right then. But now notice what he says. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, you know I love you, Lord. He said, feed my lambs. Now what he's doing there is he's pulling together that which he's calling Peter to do with his ability to loose him which would stop that which, from that which would stop him from doing it. You know, Peter can't be my apostle if he hangs on to these denials. He can't be my apostle if he has this excuse in his life. I've got to get this excuse out of his life. I can't do it with authority. I've got to do it with love. So it's this, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. He begins prying those fingers with you. Second time, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Feed my lambs. The third time he gets him, Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says he was grieved. That word grieved in the Greek means to suffer an apparent loss. He's grieved in his heart. He says, Lord, you know I love you. And actually what God was doing, what Jesus was doing, he was saying, do you love me more than these? Woo! How'd you like to Jesus to walk in here, manifest himself, and walk up to you and say, do you love me more than Roland? Do you love me more than Trey? Do you love me more than Brian? Do you love me more than Frank? How'd you like that? That's what Jesus was doing. All three times, what he said about Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He's talking about you have a unique apostolic calling in the earth and the only way you can fulfill it is if I get you loose from your denial. So for three denials, three times, Jesus began to tear away 
all of the excuses that Peter had for not fulfilling the destiny of his life. Now, fast forward. Just a few days, approximately 56 days, 57 days maybe. The Holy Ghost falls in the upper room. Peter's there. Peter's filled with the Holy Ghost. He speaks in other tongues. He falls out into the street. People think they're drunk. They're staggering around. They answer back to the crowd, we're not drunk. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the new wine of God. And then all of a sudden, the stirring produces a calling, which means somebody's got to get up and talk about what this is all about. Well, there are some choices that I thought would have been good choices. What about John? Jesus on the cross said to John, I give you the authority to take care of my mother. Well, you've got to trust somebody to do that. There were others that were maybe more qualified. But who got to preach? Now listen to this. This is so good. Who got to preach the inaugural message of the church? I don't know who's going to get to preach the last one, but I know who preached the first one. Who did it? It was Peter. You say, why? Every, listen, everybody knew Peter. He was that gruff, rough fisherman that pushed the crowd away, that got away from, you know, get away from Jesus, get away. Get, he's the one that got mad because the children came. Remember that? He was one of the ones when the Syrophoenician woman came, came to Jesus. Can't you get rid of this woman? Amen? He was the one. So I guarantee you, just like society today, failures get communicated very quickly. Did you hear what Peter did? I heard he denied Jesus three times. Well, you know, he always just thought he was really something. Always hanging around Jesus. You know, I heard that he walked on the water. He tells everybody that'll listen, he walked on the water. Come on, church. So when he gets up and preaches, and the anointing of God is there, and they know these are not the words of men, these are the words of God, they know against the backdrop of that failure, Peter steps out into the light. They know that's not Peter talking, that's God talking. And 3,000 got saved. The same thing's true of us. You may not be preaching to 10,000. Maybe working in a nursery, maybe ushering. It may be going on a missions trip. It could be anything that you're doing in the kingdom of God for service. But against the backdrop of it, people that see you that used to know who you'd be, as you step out of the darkness of who you were and the denials of why you can't do what you're supposed to do, what do they see? They see Christ in you. They see God in you. And that is the most powerful witness on the planet. You're not the person you used to be. You're born again. You're bought with a price. God calls you a new creature. He calls you His very own family. You are His son. You are his daughter. You are his child. He values you above the angels. There's only one he values more than you. And that's the one that redeemed you. Whose blood is upon the mercy seat of God. Being saved is not a life change. Being saved is being made brand new. And from the standpoint of being made brand new, you have to let go of the past. And so many people, it is their past that so hinders that which God desires to do in their life. I don't care what you were, where you went, what you did. God does not know about it. All He knows is that one day you called on the name of His Son. When, he did, when you did, that blood on the mercy seat 
that was shed over 2,000 years ago did its work in your life. You left the human family and all that kept you in bondage in that family and you stepped into God's family. All the other identities in your life became subordinate to that new identity of being a new creature. And when you begin to live in the light of that and walk in the light of that, thank God God's blessings begin to come, but then you begin to discover there's an enemy. He knows how to manipulate. He knows how to steal, kill, destroy. We all make mistakes. We all fall down. But listen, if you serve God and your heart is right, fall forward, not backward, and you'll get up in front of where you fell from. Some of us just need do-overs. We need second chances. We need third chances. And one of the greatest miracles in the kingdom of God is when you accept God at His word and you make a brand new start and you make a decision, 2020 is not going to be like 2019. I'm going back to my first love. I'm going back to my joy. I'm going back to my peace. I'm going back to the God of my salvation. I'm going to begin to serve God on a level I've never served Him before. You must realize, if you need God to do something in your life that's never been done, you have to be willing to serve Him on a level you've never served Him before. And when you make that decision, God will meet you right there and empower you to do it. We have a lot to do in the kingdom. There's a lot that needs to happen. There's a lot of people that must be saved. God is a good God. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a condemning message. It is not a message that brings harm or hurt. It is the message of life. It is the only source of life in the earth. And the world needs it more than ever. And I believe as we transpire into 2020 that more and more of what I call the fabric of our society and our lifestyle, as fragile it is, as it is, it's going to begin to break down even more than it has. And people are going to be looking for not a answer, but the answer. And thank God that answer lives in you. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Brother Frank, if you will, go to the keyboard. Lift your hands up and thank the Lord. Father, we thank you today that you are the God of the do-over. The God of the second, the third, the fourth, the 15th, the 25th, the 45th, the 95th chance. And Lord, we're looking today to be able to start fresh and new. Father, you afford us something that you don't even afford yourself. You afford us here on the earth markers in time. One of them being the ending of one year and the beginning of another. Even in our society, it represents something new. People make New Year's resolutions. They declare to do things in the new year that they did not do in the previous year. They improve their bodies, their minds. They try to pay more attention to those around them. But we thank you in the kingdom of God. It is also a marker which we can use to benefit us. That at the end of the 31st of December 2019 and the beginning January 1st of 2020 we can start anew and fresh. Leaving that which is behind, behind and in the past. Pressing forward 
into that which is new and fresh and waiting on us to serve our way into. Thank you, God, that you're the God of the do-over today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your protection and safety. Lord, and we do remember our families that are two of them in, in, in other countries. Lord, one in, in Africa, one in England. Well, the other, both of them may be in England now. But Father, bring them home safely. Others that may be traveling, thank you for your protection. We declare over all the congregation, both present and not present, of Island Church, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you, Lord God, that whether we travel on the seaways, the airways, the highways, or the railways, we are protected by God. Lord, as we go back to work, as we go back to school, as we go back to our businesses, we thank you, Lord God. No trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We thank you, Father, that we abide under the shadow of the Almighty and that in all our righteous labor we are protected. Thank you for the door of utterance that we have, that we can go forth from this place, be a light to the world, be an answer to people's prayer, a problem to the adversary, a miracle, a miracle in someone else's life. Thank you, Father, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.